0: Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher, Podcast 30. And today we're going to be looking at how God communicates with us. We're going to be looking at one of the clearest ways that God speaks to us. And when I say speak, I'm thinking about communication. I'm not thinking about words, but I'm thinking about an inner knowing, an inner knowing. How do we know how God is leading us how God is guiding us, how can we discern that. But first, a story. First, a story. When I was a little kid, sitting in church in Scotland, before the service began, the beadle would appear. Beetle. B-E-A-D-L-E. I used to think it was beetle when I was a little kid, but it's actually the beetle. He was an old man and he was old when I was a little kid, and he was still old when I was 20, and he was still old when I was 30. One of that, these kind of guys. He dressed in a black suit with a white shirt and a black tie. And he had leather black shoes that squeaked each time he took a step on the solid stone floor. And he walked into the church, the sanctuary, carrying a huge leather bound Bible. He started at the back of the church. He walked up to the pulpit carrying this massive Bible. He climbed up the six winding stairs to the pulpit, opened the pulpit door, for the pulpit was an enclosed space with a little door, and he slowly opened the book. And then he left the pulpit and he sat in his seat. And then the next thing that would happen is the minister would enter the sanctuary and the service would begin. Now, when you think about it, why not just leave the book there? Why go through this ritual every single week? The beadle takes this huge, big black book, the Bible, walks through the sanctuary into the pulpit. Well, I saw this ritual hundreds of times, and it never occurred to me really that, that it, didn't, it didn't mean anything at all until much much later it was much later when I realized that this it was purposeful that the beetle brought this book in each week and it was as if by going through this ritual the ritual itself is saying this book is where we get our guidance this is important to us every week he brings the book in this book is why we're gathered here. This book is going to reveal God's word to us. This is no ordinary book. So every single service as it began, he would bring in this huge Bible. And it was a way of saying, you know, this is no ordinary book because it contains words that bring us life and guidance and healing. And so every day, every Sunday, the beetle would bring in this book. Now, It will not surprise you that since the book, the scripture, contains God's message to us, it can be, it can be a bit overwhelming at times. You know, in my congregation that I serve, we, we we have a box of Kleenex in every pew. And it's not just for colds. Sometimes visitors will say to me, how come we, you know, how come we have the Kleenex there? Well, it's not for colds, although it's used for that. But sometimes God's word can be overwhelming. People will say to me, well, how did you know that? Or that sermon was just for me? Or how did you know I was worried about that? Or how did you know I was struggling with that? You spoke on something today that meant something to me. It spoke to me in some way. Well, of course, I really don't know what people are struggling with. Right? I have no idea of people's anxieties or struggles, unless they tell me. I have no idea what makes people guilty or ashamed. But God does, right? And God uses the scripture with a, healthy, with a hefty dose of the Holy Spirit to make the words uh, come alive, make them real, have them make sense. God uses the scripture to communicate and when the communication happens it's like you sense yeah that's true it resonates with you when you hear something that God is saying it resonates with your spirit and what happens is is that immediately you know that word's for me or yes I know this is true or I'm reminded of this. I forgot about this, but now I remember. And ultimately, you know it's God when it's life-giving. You know when God speaks, when ultimately it's life-giving. Not necessarily comforting, not necessarily feel good, because it might be a correction, right? So it's not necessarily a feel-good thing, because it might be a correction. What if it's a discipline? But a a timely correction leads to life, right? It it leads to well-being. It leads to growth. This kind of discipline or correction is what's happening in our text this morning. And we're going back to an ancient story in Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, this is 450 years before Jesus was born. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of the background and show you how God uses the scripture to communicate with us. So the story is, 450 years before Jesus was born, the arch enemy of ancient Israel, who was Babylon, conquered Judah. And took many of the Israelites back to Babylon. This is what they used to do in the old days. When a country was uh, taken over, they would basically steal the best people the youngest the most skilled and they would take them back to their homeland and this is what happened with the with the ancient israelites many of them were taken to babylon and they were called uh, the exiles because they were they were in exile they couldn't get back home again and for 70 years they lived in babylon and they learned the language They learned the culture, and of course, their temple, back home in Israel, was left behind. Well, after 70 years in exile, and of course, many had been dead by then, and and many were born into exile. After 70 years, Persia conquered Babylon, and the exiles were allowed to return to the homeland. Cyrus of Persia said, okay, You've been here 70 years. If you want to return to the homeland, you can. You can go back to Jerusalem. You can rebuild your temple. You can rebuild Jerusalem's walls. If you want to go back, you can go back. And the two famous prophets at that time for ancient Israel were Ezra and Nehemiah. They were the prophets during this time in ancient Israel's history. So I'm going to pick up the story. When the exiles had returned to the homeland and the walls are rebuilt, the walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt, and Ezra the prophet, who is the spokesman really for God, calls the returned exiles together in the town square and he begins to read from the book, the Torah, the first five books of what we call the Old Testament Some people call it the First Testament. That would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He starts to read from the Torah. Now, it's been 70 years since this had happened, right? Because they couldn't do this when they were in exile. So only the older people would have any memory at all of hearing God's word read out loud in a public space. Because, of course, when they were exiles in Babylon, they couldn't do this. The Babylonians had other gods. When you're part of that country, you, in the ancient times, you worship the god of the country that you were in. So Ezra, we're in uh, chapter 8, reads from early in the morning until noon. Verse 4. He stood on a wooden platform built for this purpose. He read... And he gave interpretation. And verse 8 tells us the people started to weep. It's been so long. Some of them had never even experienced such a thing before. They're absolutely riveted to the spot. It completely captivated their attention. There he is, Ezra, on his wooden platform, reading the word of God. The scripture and they start to weep. They start to weep. Now he would have read things to them like Deuteronomy 6: Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And when they heard this, when they heard about, when they heard God's words, the people were cut to the heart because they sense that their priorities are wrong. Have they put God first? have they really desired to please God with their choices and their decisions and their words and their actions and their thoughts? Well, no doubt the ancient people were like us. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, they wanted to follow God's ways. And no, they didn't give God their full attention because they got caught up in all the other distractions of life. And so when the priest reads from the book, the people start to weep. Interesting, isn't it? They start to weep. Sometimes our troubles come simply because our priorities are wrong. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Is God still with us? Well, yeah, of course, yeah. But God can be way in the background of our minds and our work and our children and our household chores and extended family and finances and disagreements and worries and everything else has our attention you know everything else can take the first uh, place in our minds the hebrews the ancient hebrews when 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 they heard the word and when basically when clarity comes when understanding comes it's like they're saying yeah see what god wants for me I can see that my priorities are wrong. When that happens, it strikes a deep chord within the people. And this, this spiritual grief occurs and the people wept. Yeah, the word of God, is, Hebrews says this in the New Testament, there's a great line in the New Testament. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Meaning it cuts through pretense. When God speaks to you, there's no pretense. It reveals truth. That's when you know it's God. It just cuts through all the pretense. It gets to the heart of the matter. We're just not created to be self sufficient. We're we're not created to go it alone. It's not part of the design, trying to figure out life by yourself. I mean, is it any wonder people get into the messes that they get into? No, what we need is what we need is God's word. What is God saying about the situation that we find ourselves in? What's God's wisdom in the situation we find ourselves? Yeah, do you ever feel like your own wisdom? Or other people's opinions just aren't enough for you? You ever felt that? It's like, really, I really don't want to hear anybody else's opinion on this. And I'm tired of going round and round myself. What I need is, I need God's input. Over and over and over, scripture is all about God trying to communicate with people over and over. The promise is always, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you really want to hear, you will hear. Now, of course, again, like the ancient people, we might not like what we hear because God's word can be pretty clear, right? You know, you're not living with integrity because you're not being true to yourself or you're living with resentment as a result of poor choices. That's pretty clear, right? Right? Or you're unhappy because everyone and everything has a claim on your life and there is no you left anymore. Now, Not pleasant things to hear, but if they're received and if they're acted upon, like if they're true for you and if they're received and if they're acted upon, that kind of leading, that kind of communication can lead to inner freedoms previously unexperienced, right? So if God's word is coming to make you a mess because your priorities are off, they're wrong, or you're miserable because you won't step out in faith and make the change that you know you need to make, or you're unhappy because you're looking to a person to give you your worth. Insecurity. Whatever the suffering. The root. Many times. Can be traced back to priorities. You're investing in the wrong relationship. Or you're trusting the wrong person. Or the wrong people. You're expecting someone to give you. What they can't give you. There's a big one, right? You're expecting someone to give you what they just can't give you. Ezra's people wept. Because when they heard God's word, which really is God's word and the truth of the matter, that's the same thing. When they heard the truth of the matter, it just struck a deep chord. I need to make changes. And that sense of I need to make changes can bring anyone to tears. Because change takes great courage. It takes great courage to learn how to forgive someone. Or even to start the process. It takes a great courage to stop interfering and controlling everyone. Trusting God is difficult because it requires action. Right? And we all know how challenging it is to change a behavior or a way of thinking or a way of responding. God's word, or the truth of the matter, surfacing. And maybe, uh, uh, no, not maybe. I think our way of thinking is the most difficult change that is necessary. The way that we think about ourselves, other people in the world. So no wonder Ezra's people wept. I mean, such is the spiritual life. I mean, they're weeping. It's like, oh no, what a mess. You know, we're so, what a mess. No wonder they, they weep when Ezra speaks to them. When the truth of the matter begins to surface, they weep, no doubt feeling pretty inadequate not feeling spiritually on track at all, not feeling confident, feeling inadequate, failures. I I should know better than this. That kind of feeling. I mean, who hasn't experienced that? What a mess I'm in. I should know better. Well, it's really interesting, Ezra the prophet's response. So the people are all feeling inadequate and disappointed in themselves and basically feeling like failures. And it's so interesting how Ezra responds. We're in Nehemiah chapter eight, by the way. This is verse 10. Ezra said, don't grieve, don't wallow. Don't wallow in this, Ezra says. Here's what I want you to do. Rejoice, go home, prepare a feast, have a holiday, nice food, drink, Share it with someone who has less than you. Don't feel bad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that interesting? Is like, okay, you see what's wrong. You see what needs to be changed. You see you've made some mistakes. I can tell you're grieving. Okay, now rejoice. Go home. Get some nice food. Have a nice glass of wine. Share it with someone who's, who has less than you. Don't wallow in this. There's no point in wallowing in things. The joy of God is your strength. It's almost like the mere fact that we know that we need to make changes is a sign that God is working in us and that we're receptive. Yeah, it's when we're receptive, when we stay open and enjoy life, right? We're in process. You're on track, he's saying. God will give you the strength for what lies ahead. Do you need to make some changes? Yes, you do. Now, don't anticipate the future too much. Today is what you have. Today you have enough. Today the joy of the Lord is your strength. Take the first step that you can take that moves you in the right direction and then leave it. Trust God to meet you. The joy of the Lord is your strength? Yes. Do you need to make some changes? Yes, but God will help you do it. Where does your strength come from? God. Who will enable you to change? God. Who will nudge you forward? God. Right? It's not about you pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps that is not grace that's not grace the joy of the lord is your strength if changes need to be made if you see they need to be made god will help you god will help you bring about the necessary changes well thank you for joining me you've been we've been looking at how god uses scripture to communicate with us. God takes the word, the sentence written on a page, infuses it with life, and it touches us. It reveals the truth of the matter to us. It's personal, it's immediate, it's perfectly timed. It's amazing, it is amazing. And there's the heart cry, thank you for loving me enough to speak to me. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for putting me back on track. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.